On this episode of our podcast, we touch on the latest pandemic whiplash faced by San Diego restaurants, which for a minute there last week were able to reopen for on-site dining, and now they're closed again. Once that very important update is out of the way, we want to leave 2020 behind and look toward the future of what is hopefully a brighter, better, healthier 2021 for San Diego's food and lifestyle scene. We'll take a look at several exciting new projects set to debut in the new year, including Vaga, a restaurant that will be part of a new beach resort in Encinitas, and Cali by chef Travis Swickard in San Diego's East Village. Joining us to talk about Vaga, and we are so excited about this, um, is executive chef Claudette Zepeda, a true standout in San Diego's culinary scene, known for her bold, fearless approach to regional Mexican cuisine. San Diego is a town with so many cultures, so much diversity, all these flavors, but with my voice. So using the Mexican ingredients that I know how to harness so well. You are listening to our Scene in San Diego podcast. Hi, Candice. Hey, Monica. Hey. It's really nice to virtually be together again on what is our final podcast of 2020. Wow. What a year. Seriously. I'm happy to be here, though, because there is always so much to talk about. Yeah, there really is. And the restaurant roller coaster ride, I know we talk about it all the time, but really, it has been never ending this year. And of course, it continued over the past couple of weeks since we last recorded. And this latest back and forth confusion was just absolutely brutal, right? It really was. So this latest saga started when two San Diego strip clubs sued county and state leaders over cease and desist orders. On December 16th, a San Diego Superior Court judge issued an injunction exempting the two strip clubs from shutdowns. But that ruling came with a major surprise. It sure did. So the ruling was extended beyond the two strip clubs to, quote, all businesses that provide restaurant services. So that impacted all restaurants in our region of more than three million people. And this was even a surprise for the San Diego County Board of Supervisors, which had to scramble to figure out what this all meant for local restaurants. So for a couple of days, the board temporarily halted all of the pandemic-related public health order enforcement at restaurants while it determined its next steps. So while we were in this, you know, sort of weird limbo phase, a bunch of San Diego restaurants decided to reopen for on-site dining, even indoor dining, thinking they were in the clear. Right. We were saying, I mean, even driving around, you could see some restaurants starting to to reopen um, all of that on-site dining. And mind you, all of this was happening while we were still under, and we still are under, the state's regional stay-at-home order, which for restaurants means they can only offer takeout and delivery, no on-site dining at all. California Governor Gavin Newsom requested an immediate stay of the ruling on December 18th, which the State Court of Appeals accepted hours later. And that meant that the judge's ruling was not in effect and San Diego restaurants had to shut down on-site dining again. Oh, my goodness. And what a mess this was just back and forth so much in just a couple of days. And, you know, Candace and I were even texting each other back and forth last week, just like saying, what in the world is happening here? We we couldn't even keep up. We can't even imagine what the people running these restaurants were going through and what they were feeling. It was it was really too much. 
San Diego County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher said the judge's ruling had gone against research and the very reason why restaurants are closed for on-site dining right now, which is ultimately to slow the spread of COVID-19 and to keep our hospitals functioning. Uh, it sent a message to the public that is, is flies in the face of cases going from 200 a day to 3,000 a day, uh, a 200% increase in hospitalization. Uh, but it's not just the court. There are elected leaders who know better. Uh, who have the facts, who know that we cannot avoid the difficult decisions to slow the spread, who are also perpetuating this myth that everything is fine. And so all of that is, has made it a very challenging time with a lot of people uh, continuing to engage in activity that's only going to further compound the, the severity of the situation we face. And lawyers for the state, they argued that the healthcare system was, quote, on the brink of collapse with no intensive care beds available in the Southern California region that San Diego is grouped into. So so now, days later, our restaurants are back to where they were when we last chatted on our podcast, which is takeout and delivery only under the rules of the regional stay-at-home order. Although some restaurants are saying that they're going to stay open, they're going to defy the orders because really, I mean, that's the only way that they can survive. That's the way that their business can make it through this other really rough time. I can't allow that to happen to my employees. We're like a family. Some of them have been here 35 years, some 25, some 20. They've lost so much of their income and without the unemployment running out, we've even had several, five of our team members had to leave San Diego because they can't afford to live here. What a crazy ride. You know, you really feel for all the people who own and work in these local restaurants, all this uncertainty and, you know, right before the holidays can't be, you know, can't be any good. Yeah. I feel like that part makes it extra sad and, and difficult. Um, a lot of restaurants that are open for, you know, takeout and delivery right now, they're working with skeleton crews already. And and we've said it before, you know, reopening a restaurant isn't as easy as turning the lights on and off. There is so much involved in the operation, as we've heard from our guests throughout the year. I mean, it's it's a lot of things to consider, a lot of operational hurdles to jump through. And uh, it's, it's really not that easy. You know, we'll have to see where we are with all this in a couple of weeks at the start of 2021. You know, as we've seen, obviously, anything can happen in the blink of an eye yeah. during this pandemic. Yep. Okay, so that's a great segue, Candice. 2021 music to my ears. It's almost here finally. And, um, you know, once restaurants are hopefully able to reopen again in the near future, whenever that may be, you know, we still don't really know. There's a lot to look forward to in the new year in our local food scene. Right, Candice? Yes, we are all for new beginnings. Yes. So one of those new beginnings is Vaga, a new restaurant at the Alila Marea Beach Resort in Encinitas in North County, and it's going to be headed up by Claudette Zepeda. Claudette garnered national acclaim as the executive chef and partner of El Jardín, a regional local Mexican restaurant. Before El Jardín, Claudette was chef de cuisine at Javier Placencia's Bracero. Oh, I miss that restaurant oh, so much. Oh, me too. <laughs> Claudette was a contestant on two Top Chef shows, and in 2008, she was named Eater San Diego's Chef of the Year. No big deal, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> she's great. That's awesome. Well, she is such a force. Claudette spoke with us about her newest project and her incredible career, and we want to share that conversation with you. So let's go ahead and roll right into that. Hi, Claudette. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. How have you been holding up during the pandemic? I know it's a very loaded question, 
but we saw that you had been holding some online cooking classes and we've done a few episodes on like, you know, the way that people have been adapting and stuff. So how are you doing? Good. I, uh, it's, it feels weird to tell, to say it out loud that I've actually had not such a bad year, which I can't say the same for some of my other friends. Uh, but I call it the year of silver linings. I try to find something good in every little corner of like there was a lesson to be learned everywhere. And I came out of a really bad year last year. So this year was still not as bad as last year. And uh, it started a little rough. We went through that creative uh, upheaval of, oh, crap, my calendar just got wiped completely clean in March. And from March until May or April, May, I had that existential crisis that I needed to feed people. I needed to see people. I needed to, you know, that funk. And I taught myself how to reprogram my website to be an e-commerce website and started doing classes. And that really was a catalyst because I was working on Vaga since January, but uh, the classes helped me be able to be creative. Um, and then everything else just kind of fell into place. I have, you know, fortunate enough to work with brands that I can be creative, create recipe development, and it's kept me busy. That's awesome. Well, we love anything where you get to empower yourself on digital and virtual. We think that's awesome. Totally. Yeah. So we're, we're talking today about sort of what we're looking forward to in 2021. And one of those things is Vaga, your new restaurant that you're opening that's part of a new resort in Encinitas called Alila Marea. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that's coming together and, and what your ideas are for it? Yeah, so Vaga... So it had a different name when I first got into the concept. I've been working on this concept for now a couple years. And uh, it had this weird organic transition of the name. The, the concept was always, I didn't want to do California coastal. I didn't want to do California cuisine. I didn't want to call it anything, especially coming off after a very specific restaurant. I wanted it to be able to be... I wanted to be able to be creative, regardless of what boxes people wanted to put us in. So Vaga started to evolve into really a San Diego cuisine restaurant. And what that means is almost that same ethos of my last place, which is San Diego is a town with so many cultures, so much diversity, incredible farms, farmers, fishermen, fisherwomen. How do we do that right where it's not muddled and people get it? And it is doing soup dumplings with carne and jugo in the inside to honor the Chinese Mexicans and to, you know, do Korean barbecue and to do all these flavors, but with my voice, right? So using the Mexican ingredients that I know how to harness so well. And Baga start, turned, it out, turned out to be a San Diego cuisine restaurant, which is like my love letter to San Diego. I grew up here. Like my favorite memories are after Sunday, after church in IB, sitting at the stoop and eating ponce, turon, or thrifty's ice cream, and that vibe that San Diego has that really no other city has. But as, as far as a, a restaurant setting, this is going to be food that people haven't really experienced from you before? No, at all. Yeah, these are flavors. This is what you would get if you literally came to my house. Because this is nice. how I eat at home. Nice. I, at home, I, I feel like some days I'll do tikka masala and another day we'll experiment. And that's how I grew up when we lived in TJ. We had all kinds of food. It was 
we didn't think about, oh, no, we can't eat that because we're not that ethnicity. Like, we just ate because we wanted to feel good and we wanted to, you know, fill a craving. So Vaga is where you come to fill a craving and there's something for everyone. Okay, so we're coming to your house every day, just so you know. <laughs> we're knocking on the door as we speak. <laughs> That's awesome. You'll have tamales right now. Right now, there's a lot of tamales. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That sounds amazing. Um, Claudette, so this whole project sounds very exciting, you know, all about fresh starts, new things from you that the, you know, the experience. But what's it like getting ready to unveil such a, such a big project in the middle of a pandemic? I mean, thinking that San Diego dining restrictions might still be in place once you open. I mean, how do you plan for that? How are you preparing? It's literally uh, a day-to-day thing. So we, you know, dates get moved, uh, plans get put in place. The whole thing of it is, especially for me personally, I like to have contingency plans for everything that I do. Like if this doesn't work, not that I'm negative, but I don't want to get surprised by these things. So there's so many unknowns. We don't know. We've never gone through this. This is so different than any other opening I've ever done before but we are prepared mentally for whatever the numbers bring. If we have to ebb and flow and like, okay, this is what we'll do if it's here and this is what we'll do if it's there. And yeah, it's honestly, I can't tell you what it'll look like when we open because I have no idea. We just, yeah. the people in play, all of my team, we've been doing this for a really long time. So I feel confident that we'll be able to flow together and the team that I'm building, I'm super excited about. I also, you know, it's, it really isn't about the food. It's about the team you build. What's the, what is sort of the, the opening target right now? Oh, that's a moving target. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we keep saying early, early 2021, spring, uh, but we definitely, hopefully, definitely, hopefully, <laughs> will be open by March. But uh, yeah, that, this target is as fluid as this pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's so hard. And yeah, at some point you're like, do I roll the dice? Do I not? Like, what, what do we do here? You know? Yeah. And those are calls that I, I can't make, right? Like this is the project that I have to lean on everyone else to kind of guide us. It's not an independent restaurant where you can just make the calls and take the risk. This is a, a really big risk to take if you open wrong. So right. thankfully I have people that have been doing this for years. Right. So, I mean, this is not the first hotel restaurant that you've worked at. Um, How do you think hotel dining has sort of evolved over the years in your experience? And um, what are some of the advantages that they have over, say, an independent restaurant? Well, definitely the, your labor, your, your bottom line numbers, hotels have that up uh, because you make money on banquets and you have a lot of space for uh, events private events, et cetera. And that helps you be able to run, you know, a high service, high uh, table touching restaurant. If you do an independent restaurant where you need, you know, three to four people at a table, hypothetically speaking, to be able to bus, run, expo, it gets really expensive. Labor is the number one thing that kills restaurants. So having a hotel to support the restaurant is really huge in any hotel in San Diego can tell you that the how it's evolved I feel like a lot of places are still in the same kind of uh, mindset the older hotels they're still doing it the same but I think it's the talent that they're pulling in on the newer ones that are 
pushing it into the future because a lot of the talent coming into hotels come from an independent background. Mm -hmm. So that is, uh, I think that makes them stronger for sure. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, there are, there, there are definitely more and more hotel restaurants that are, you know, that, that could be standalone. They're like, you know, destination dining spots in their yeah. own right. Yeah. Yeah. And Vaga is being, we, we positioned Vaga like, like that, that we're a, a restaurant in a hotel, not a hotel restaurant. Right. Yeah. Claudette, um, we know you started your career as a pastry chef, so we were wondering how that impacts the way that you cook now, and, you know, does it influence the way that you build your menus? Do you still have the pastry chef in the back here saying, do this, do this? Um, I do. I do. I can't help uh, have them infiltrate each other. Uh, a lot of the way, even in, and vice versa, the savory leaks into the pastry. If I'm making a cake, I want, I, you know, I make sure I add salt, acid, it's balanced. Uh, and I mean, thankfully, at my, the new at Vaga, I'll have my pastry chef to do the heavy lifting. And that will just be, I've been doing this a little bit longer than she has. So I'll be her, her mentor in that. But I will definitely lean on her to take the creative reins on that. But it does leak in. It, I, I like sweets. I like to, in my travels, the first places I go are usually a local bakery and a local market. That's always my, my go-to first stops. Even like, I drop myself at the hotel and that's the first outing that I do. So yeah, I can't help them leak into each other. And right now this year, I've made two cakes uh, so far for friends. And it's nice to flex those muscles every once in a while. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk about, you were mentioning that, you know, 2019 was, was a rough, a rough year for you. And, you know, I feel out of, you know, so many chefs in San Diego, you've had a pretty sort of roller coaster of a few years. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, you received such huge national notice for Al Hardin. You, you got a James Beard nomination. You got a ton of great press. Was yeah. that, was that in, in a little bit of contrast to the way kind of the restaurant was, you know, received locally or how local audiences, you know, embraced it? And what's sort of your takeaway from that whole experience? I know it's a, I know it's a lot. <laughs> That's a heavy question. Yeah. Um, I mean, my takeaway was, and, and always will be, that it was it was a project that was done with so much heart, you know, and it was very visceral uh, from all of the staff, from all of us. We really, we believed in us so much. And, you know, when I left, like I still, I call them my baby. So I, I still talk to my servers, they'll message me on Instagram and we're still so closely knit. I have a tattoo from a server that passed away when we were, you know, operating and, El Jardín was, uh, was a home for a team. And the takeaway with San Diego, I mean, San Diego's never, hasn't been kind to places like t that are trying to do something different and uh, charge accordingly. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's just, we'll, we'll call it what it is. It's, I mean, and Mexicans especially, like they just, we don't want to pay for the food that we grew up eating. Not we, but... I guess they don't want to pay us the adequate value of our time and labor and food and, you know, with everything, you don't pay for the product, you pay for the experience, mm -hmm. right? Like you pay for what the person knows, what they're going to give you, the service. And 
it was it was a restaurant that required a lot of touching and a lot of table touching, a lot of service uh, because I did it just the way you do restaurants in Mexico City where you never really have a server. It's everyone takes care of you. There's no busers, runners, expos. It's just server assistants. And in that model, it, it's expensive. And I had to, you know, prices had to go according. And we weren't the most expensive restaurant. But it was really hard to convince people every single day to value our, our food. Every day. Every day I had a conversation with someone at a table. Uh, how dare I charge what I charged? You know, and uh, it, that, it became a heavy weight to carry. Yeah. Is that part and of then influenced you to, you know, do something sort of completely different for Vaga? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'll, you know, I also do birria and pozole. I just might call them something different. Um, you know, a beef chili broth with, you know, hominy. And like, they, they won't know. They just, it reads really sexy. And then they're like, oh, it's pozole. <laughs> but it was being in, it was very twilight zone for me in some days. You know, all these accolades that we received, all this recognition, critical acclaim. And then to get, you know, people say like, oh, how do you do it? You know, like, you're so... I don't let any of that stuff get to my head. I mean, you know me, Candace, like for years, this is, it's just what I do. And when you do what you do and you do, you love it, people notice. And imagine getting nominated for, you know, James Beard, semi-finalist, Best Chef West, and then being told that your numbers aren't good enough and the food's not good enough and everything's not good enough. Cause that was literally what I was faced with. Like it was just boom, right in the face, like best new restaurant Esquire. And then, yeah, but you're going to have to cut your labor by half, you know, and every turn that was that. So I could never really ride the highs cause the lows kept kicking me in the shins. Yeah. Do you, do you still sort of have a dream of trying to create what you were doing in El Jardin again? And, you know, seeing it, you know, seeing it through to the, the success it, it should have had? Yes. Yeah, I do. I, I, I would be silly to not because it was so true to me. Uh, I would just, and, and this is something that I even told my then partner, like, I think it was too big. I think San Diego restaurants are too big. I dream about a restaurant that is like, the same feeling as El Jardin that has its own garden, you know, with baking with wood fire and just this beautiful like escape. Like that sounds that. like oh, we could all use that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good 2020 remedy right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Claudette, also in your career, I mean, you've competed on both Top Chef Mexico and Top Chef in the U.S. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a huge deal, too, a big part of, of what you've done. Um, how were those competitions different? And which one would you do again, if any? So I got to Top Chef Mexico. It was their first season had just uh, aired. And I was working for Javier at the time and when the first season aired. And he said, you should go. Because at that point, they weren't doing large casting. It was only basically referrals from chefs that the production company knew or the, the, the crew knew. Um, I didn't do the first one. And I didn't, I was just hesitant to go as like the, the American, the Mexican American going to Mexico. Like I knew I was going to get shit for it. I knew I was going to uh, hit walls um, on the cultural side. And then second season goes to uh, recruit and 
I had gotten let go from Bracero and Javier says, go, this is your time. And so I did, I decided to go. And it was honestly one of the most life-changing things for me. Uh, I had talked about El Jardin as a concept before I had left. And I said, well, let me get back to you. I'm going to go to chef jail for a few months and then I'll come out and then see what, where my mind is, where you're at. And in that process, I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about my culture uh, and being in a, in a place where all of the contestants all grew up the same way. We all had our moms tell us the same threats and, you know, it's the same chancla swung for all of us. So it made this camaraderie. Unlike I, I had no expectation. I didn't know what to think these, this event would be like. And we were staying at these uh, suites, like this corporate suite type of place and a hotel. So we had like the mom's den and it was me and two other chefs and two of us were moms and our room was where we all ate. And so we would do these elaborate family meals out of our little kitchenettes. And uh, I would go shopping with the uh, food producer to get our groceries. And so I, I got the nickname Mama Bear because I wouldn't let anyone leave without eating. And then we had the boys' room where when we could, could watch a movie, we would hang out in there. But just by the time I left there, to give you a good idea, I left there and I came home and I like cried, sobbed at my now ex-husband I sobbed and I said I need to go back to Oaxaca I, I miss one of my girlfriends so much um and it was my roommate Ixchel and I was like I need to go to Oaxaca to see her like I feel like I didn't close this right and I left for a week to Oaxaca I did the mascal I learned about her her family she has triplets and I came back going man okay I have literal lifelong friends like we are brothers and sisters and then Top Chef US was I think I did them too soon, too back to back. I had a little Stockholm syndrome of being locked away, no phone, no connection with the outside world. And there I realized when I got there that it was completely the opposite of Mexico. These were people from all over the place. Everyone had their own goals and dreams. And in Mexico, we just loved to cook. We were all cooks. And in the US, it was, it was cooks. People had been cooking forever, but they also wanted other opportunities. And in Mexico, the opportunities aren't the same as they are here for our industry. So it was just, a, wasn't wrong. It was just different of like what your aspirations and goals are. And I was angry. I was angry at being gone from my house and that shows up and they're like, I was like, damn it, I'm giving them everything they want. They just, I, I came off as like the, the angry Mexican woman, but now, I mean, I'm, I'm close to all of my castmates. Like I, all of the guys that, Joe Sasso did the dinner for Day of the Dead for his mom. His mom's name is Claudette. Uh, you know, so I talked to them almost on a daily basis. It was, both of them taught me a lot, long story short. Both of them taught me so much of what I could do. I now cook in 20 minute increments. When someone says that I have to do something, I'm like, <laughs> how much time do I got? How many people I got to cook for? I got this. Everything is a quick fire now. But I would actually do them both. I would do that particular competition. I would do it again. I would just, I got asked to do um, Chef All-Stars and I was like, well, I can't be an All-Star. It's just been a year since I did mine. Uh, so I decided to sit that one out and I said, call me in five years or when, I, you know, the next time you guys do it right now, I, I think it's too soon, but we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. Cool. You were saying that, you know, Vaga is a departure from what you, what people sort of know you for. What what else do you want to sort of show people that you can do? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot, but 
you know, food wise? Yeah. I mean, I just want to, I want to show that all of us, I think, and these are all of my friends, all of my chef friends, we're diverse people. Like when people love to ask you, what's your signature dish? You know, that's like always a question that I've always been asked. What's your favorite thing to eat? Signature dish. And we really are. We're so complex as people. We like things that different people maybe not have been, you know, haven't been exposed to and in travels and et cetera, the, your likes change. So what do I want people to see is that we are, we're complicated and we are creative and that everything that you think we are, we're just going to give you something on the opposite end of that, you know? And that's the beauty I think of like humanity. And we're going into that place where everyone wants comfort. You know, we don't want pomp and circumstance. I don't think that's what is important anymore. We're seeing what really matters. And I, I want to wow people with like the curiosity. Like I want to bring back the dessert cart. Um, like the old school dessert cart. I want, I was at fat duck. I was fortunate enough to get a reservation for my birthday last year at the fat duck and seeing how Heston does the dessert cart with the boxes. And, you know, it has a treat inside the box and it's reminiscent to him going to candy stores when he was a child. And that storytelling component of our industry. I love storytelling. Obviously it takes me forever to answer one question. And the, the component of Vaga that will be, it's, we're going to be whimsical. We're going to be, it's not stuffy. You know, the ownership was like, oh, maybe this is too highbrow. I'm like, you're going to see it. There's no garnishes. Like there's no microgreens. This is, this is comfort food, but done in a San Diego way, which is, you know, carne asada fries is something that we eat. My kids had for lunch yesterday. Like it's, San Diego is not, a pretentious town you know it comes from a, a lot of immigrants and you just if you go to a if you go to chino farms like the, the family is working there in the stamp farm stand if you go to the docks you're literally meeting the people that fish the fish for a lot of great restaurants and that's really i think my favorite part of san diego what i want to show is this is all in your backyard you know and in hotels you get stuck of like well you're in a resort i don't have to leave right? I have the pool, I have the beach, I have all the amenities, room service. So how do I get someone to see San Diego without leaving the resort? Mm. I have to give it to them. Mm -hmm. So we're going to give them San Diego from our table. Cool. Very cool. So we've been loving the videos that you're doing on the Bon Appetit YouTube channel. Can you tell us just a little bit about what you're hoping to accomplish with those? And, and what's the feedback been like so far? I'm sure people are excited to learn. And especially with more time on our hands. Yeah, I mean, my goal is to talk about, you know, where food comes from and definitely have that historical aspect, that cultural anthropology for me has uh, fulfilled the big nerdy part of my heart. And thankfully, I have them backing me up. I have one appetite saying like, yes, you know, we get into creative meetings and uh, it's something that they have a, an idea for me to do. It's not copacetic with what I want or it might rub people the wrong way or set the wrong tone. I voice my opinion and they listen to me. And um, so what I want in the future, it is going to start to become a more like a segments where we do like this part of the history. And then, so it goes and it covers all the bases, mm -hmm. but really I just want to open people's eyes. And it, I, I get it on Instagram all the time of like, I'm making tamales with banana leaves and there someone says, well, those aren't for, those are from Nicaragua or those are from Cuba. I'm like, 
first of all, no. Those are from wherever the hell I'm at. They're from San Diego because this is where I'm at. And I'm Mexican, so they're Mexican. And food doesn't have borders. Like the food was all over the place. You know, I put an olive in my tamal and people are asking me where I'm from. What does it matter? What does it matter? That's what I want to say. Like my mom did it. My grandma did it. So I'm doing it. Like this is how I'm just used to it. Yes, another culture may also do it. And that's beautiful. That's what makes humanity so complicated. You know, that it doesn't, I want to show, I want to make people realize their biases and go, oh, if I can make someone stop and think before they speak uh, and put someone else's things down, I would love to do that. You know, like just, we got to think before we speak. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that we invented everything. I just think that we, as a culture, gave a lot to a lot of different cultures. Are you going to, in the future, do any recipes that are more like what you're going to do at Vaga? I am. Um, and that is like the, the me component, right? So that is, it'll turn into, well, how can I do, you know, uh, like the dumplings, like the soup dumplings with carne en su inside, because that's a recipe that's in my blood. It's a Jaliskense recipe from Guadalajara. And so yes, uh, we're, I'm on the third creative, ep- we're doing the creative for the third episode. Um, so just trying to figure out what that'll look like is what we're at right now. Well, thank you so much, Claudette. Thank you so much. Okay, now I'm for sure ready for fresh starts after speaking with Claudette there. Me too. Candice, what else uh, caught your eye in terms of upcoming projects in the new year? There are several others in in the pipeline. So this one's been on my radar for a while, and it's Cali, which is the first solo restaurant from chef Travis Swickard. This is really one of San Diego's highly anticipated restaurants. I've had his food a couple of times, so I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be in the East Village at the corner of Island and Park and hopefully debuting in the new year. Oh, hopefully. So Cali will focus on a vegetable forward menu featuring housemade pasta, flatbreads and crudo dishes. And we'll talk a bit more about Cali and its interesting journey because the story behind that restaurant is pretty incredible. And, and we'll get into that on a future episode of our podcast. So um, other than Cali, what else, Candice, what else can you tell us about? There's a lot of anticipation for Kingfisher, which is a modern Vietnamese restaurant and cocktail bar coming to Golden Hill. The team has been doing monthly takeout pop-ups at their other restaurant, Crab Hut, to preview Kingfisher's menu, and they've been selling out. And fans of another local Top Chef alum, Richard Blaze, are excited that he's developing a new steak and seafood-focused restaurant for the Park Hyatt Aviara in Carlsbad. Interesting. So another another big name and pretty interesting uh, place for, for a restaurant to pop up. Very cool. Well, we love that. Positive thoughts for good things in 2021. Um, we really are just excited to see hopefully San Diego's restaurant industry bounce back and um, and hopefully we'll be talking a bit more about openings in the coming year. Let's hope for some good news. Thanks for hanging out with us again. And thank you so much for listening and supporting our podcast throughout this wild, wild year. We have absolutely loved launching the show and catching up with the people who make San Diego's food and lifestyle seem so very special. And we plan to be back with fresh episodes in 2021. So really looking forward to that. We're so grateful for our listeners and the guests who have given us their time. And thank you, Monica, for being such an amazing podcast partner and Matt for being our great producer. 
Thanks, Candice, you too, and Matt, for sure. Thank you for everything. You can find the stories we talked about today in our Eater San Diego and NBC7 roundups, which publish every Friday on the scene section of NBC7.com. You can also find everything we talked about today in our podcast show notes article on both NBC7.com and SanDiego.Eater.com. And as always, if you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe to Scene in San Diego on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher, wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. Happy New Year, San Diego. We'll talk again soon.